I'm Greg Boyd, as Kevin announced, and I want to welcome all of you. If you're visiting for the first time, uh, I want to encourage you to fill out a visitor's card uh, in the bulletin. And if you turn that in out in the gathering area at the visitor's kiosk, uh, there's some information we have for you about the church, the tape, and some other things. Kind of let you know what we're about. Please turn off your cell phones and beepers and buzzers and other possible noisemakers at this time. And if your children start acting up, we have deluxe suite uh, crying rooms in the back, and we cordially invite you to take advantage of those. A couple of upcoming announcements. Um, on Good Friday, we're having a Good Friday service. That's this Friday at 7 o'clock. And it's just a, a time to, to focus on the price that God was willing to pay to reconcile us to himself. And it's, it's a moving time. Um, we'll have some symbolic stuff there with a cross and whatnot. And I just encourage you to come and take advantage of that. And it's also a way to prepare our hearts for Easter morning. Speaking of which, um, I'm talking to the 9 o'clock crowd here, but I want to encourage you to be the 9 o'clock crowd next week as well. Uh, we're encouraging as many people as possible to come to the, either the Saturday night service or the first service on Sunday morning because uh, last uh, Easter, as I recall, we ha people actually had to fill out in the gathering area and whatever. So we want to create as much space um, on the second service. But I'm preaching to the choir here, aren't I? Because you guys are the early morning crowd. So in case this is an odd thing for you, do it again next week. Um, there's free passes for Minnesota, Minneapolis Live. Uh, and they're available at the music kiosk uh, for this Thursday, April 8th at Club 3 Degrees. And uh, so you can pick those up after the service. Also, um, the kids' station, you saw the kids up here and <clears throat> all that energy and, and whatnot. Uh, they really, really need help this summer. Uh, just for a three-month commitment as they give their, their normal ministers, uh, workers, a, uh, the summer off. We need people to fill in for that. And so um, if you're willing to do that, please just give Susie a call. And there's information about that in the bulletin. I have been coming up with uh, fancy... Oh, wait, there's another, another thing here. Alpha class. Starts April 6th at, at, at 6 o'clock. Uh, if you're a new believer or are just kind of checking out Christianity or just need some basic discipleship stuff, this is a wonderful class uh, to take advantage of. Last night I was able to, after the service, lead a young man to the Lord. Um, he, his main obstacle to faith was religion. He goes, I, you know, I, I believe this is true, but I just can't take what I see on TV and hear on the radio. And I said, dude, don't worry about that. That's got, you know, just, just let that one go. And uh, it was able to lead him to the Lord. And then I got him in this class. Uh, it's like this is a foundational thing to, to get involved in. So take advantage of that. Um, I've been coming up with kind of rather clever, if I do say so myself, rather clever titles and, and spinny things. This one, however, is not clever. This is a no frills, uh, no frills, bottom line kind of a message. So I'm calling this one, uh, just to take the guesswork out of it, prioritize and simplify. It's not quite as clever as, uh, uh, what was last week's called? The widening gyre? Turning and turning, the widening gyre, the falcon cannot hear the falconer. Well, this one is just prioritize and simplify. So guess what this message is about? Prioritizing and simplifying. Prioritize and simplify. Everybody say it. Prioritize and simplify. Prioritize and simplify. I want us to be saying that mantra as we walk out of this place. No frill sermon, just prioritize and simplify. We're wrapping up here this series we've been doing on hyper-living and uh, dealing with the stress in our life. And I've given some foundational things to do to begin to fight that. But uh, this morning, the rubber hits the road, and it all comes down to 
prioritize and simplify. Okay, we got it. Really, for all intents and purposes, you could quit right now, but they pay me to do a whole sermon, so I better finish it off. Okay, a couple verses to think about as we go through this. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. We've looked at this verse before. We do, we do not do this, or we, we do this, we teach what we teach, that we may not be outwitted by Satan. For we are not ignorant of his designs. And one of the things we've seen in the last uh, several weeks is that part of his design is to keep us living scattered lives, hectic, life, helter, hectic lives, helter-skelter lives, running, uh, running around, overly busy, overly committed, with no margins in our life, no depth to our relationship, no depth to us, just water bugs skimming along on the surface of life, hyper-living. Uh, that's, there's a, a demonic dimension to that, and we need to be aware of it and not be outwitted by it. Matthew chapter 6, a verse that we have looked at a number of times, strive first for the kingdom of God. Put that first. Make that your priority and his righteousness. And all these other things will be given to you as well. It will be added to you. Now here's a a quote from C.S. Lewis, my favorite author. When first things are put first, second things are not suppressed, but are increased. On the other hand, when first things are put second, you compromise both the first and the second things. Let's pray. Father, uh, this is a message that is just, uh, God, it confronts some of the most, some of the deepest strongholds in our culture. And so we pray, God, that these words would have authority, your authority, not mine, to change us, to move us, to motivate us, to make some decisions to get our life in order, that our lives may be more glorifying of you and that your peace would be in our lives, that relationships would be developed in our lives. And God, that there'd be a calmness instead of this franticness that is so often characteristic of us. Lord God, have your way here this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Okay, last week we showed how something new has happened in history. It's quite unprecedented. Uh, beginning about 100 years ago, change began to increase exponentially. Whereas before, the rate of change and the rate of progress was basically an additional sum, it became a multiplicational sum about the turn of the last century, around 1900. And the result of that we showed last week, if you weren't here, I encourage you to get the message. And We can measure this through a lot of different angles, uh, you look at it in a lot of different ways, but what we're showing is that uh, the pace of life in Western culture has just turned on the J-curve, it's skyrocketing, which is why we live under such incredible stress and why our lives are so fragmented. What drives this whole thing, we showed, is progress, the sense of progress, progress as defined by Western culture. Progress is getting more, getting it better, and getting it faster, more, better, faster. That's the mantra of progress. And to do that, we, have, we use science to increasingly diversify the world, to complexify the world. There's increased specialization and, and uh, diversification. And the way that that cashes down into our own lives is that we're fragmented because our own lives become more diversified, more specialized. The things we do are unrelated to one another. And so we're running to a lot of different places, meaning a lot of different people, having a lot of different unrelated tasks, and our lives are fragmented. And that is why we experience our life as helter-skelter, water bugs skimming along on the surface of life. We showed how that the traditional life, uh, it was, was, was very different than this. In the traditional life, the, the life as it's traditionally been lived, 
Um, you have an individual, and that's not as good as my drawing last week, but you have an individual embedded in a family that's embedded in a community, embedded in church. Yes, I, I'm going to take this off because I keep on rubbing this. Okay, the coat's coming off. All right, now we're ready for it. Did you hear that rubbing? Okay, here. How about if I put it, like, in my front pocket? All right. Ah. Uh. Okay, it's gone. In the traditional life, they didn't have to worry about stuff like this, see? They didn't have microphones. Uh, but there's a sense of continuity and a sense of community. Continuity and community. Family, work, fellowship, leisure was all done with one people in one place. Uh, and that itself was embedded in, in, in community and church and the business. So there's tremendous overlap in the traditional family. We still have this in, in uh, third world countries. There's not going a lot of different places, knowing a lot of different people and whatnot. Life was simple. There's a lot of continuity and community. Contrast that with the modern life where we're pulled in a multitude of different directions. And we could easily uh, multiply the number of bubbles on this uh, chart that we are pulled in. Uh, we got to go to our job, and our job has a number of different tasks to it. We don't peel garlic like the family I talked about last week in Cambodia. We've got 19 different things we've got to do, places we got to go. Uh, you got your seven-year-old boy, and next to that is a lot of bubbles where you got to take him to soccer and take him to football and take him to basketball. And, and that, you were, you're, you're acquainted with a lot of different groups of people, the soccer moms, the basketball dads, and the, and the, 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 the football coaches. But there's no continuity, there's no overlap, which is why we're pulled in a multitude of different directions. That's why the guy in the middle there is juggling these balls, you see? All these different things we've got to do, and they're unrelated, going in a lot of different directions. And that is why our lives are fragmented. That is why we feel uh, like uh, we live under such stress, and, and we're largely out of control. Now, the question that we're asking this morning is, what do you do about it? And the answer is, prioritize and simplify. Let's talk about prioritization first. And now I turn our attention to the jar of life illustration. Here we go. Here's the jar of life. And in the jar of life, we need to put some very important things, some rocks, okay? These are very, these are foundational things in our life. But there's also a lot of sand, a lot of things we like, a lot of extraneous stuff that's really not essential. Now, here's one way of doing life. You could, you, I feel all of a sudden like a, a Martha Stewart living here or something. We're going to make a rock cake. Oh, that, that was Julia Childs. We're going to make a rock cake. What we like to do, since this is what we like, this is easy, this takes no commitment, this takes no work, this is the stuff we like, let's first put a lot of our, you know, the, the sand stuff in life, a lot of the extraneous stuff in life. Here we go, see? And now, let's see what we have in terms of how many rocks we can get in, all right? So we, we put in this rock and family and, and other things like this, and we, and we fill it up as best we can, and we get, we get about five and a half rocks in, five and a quarter rocks in. Roughly speaking, okay? And that's the way a lot of us live our lives because the, the sand stuff is, is the fun stuff and it's the easy stuff. So that may not be the way to do it. If, if it's really important to get all the rocks you need to, ouch, get in, you, you, you have to do things a little different. So here's a way of doing it different. I need smaller hands or, or smaller rocks. Ow! <laughs> I'm serious. This is, you know, this is Janice's idea, and I told her, if this doesn't work, uh, I, I'm blaming you. And this is why I would never be a good magician. Don't fall over on me. Okay, okay, hang on. Oh, I'm making a total mess up here. Look at this. This is terrible. Okay, so let's start by... 
putting some rocks in. Uh, you, you, foundational things that are important in our life, our prayer life, our, our, our time with family. Look at all the rocks easily fit in. And when first things are, <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> and when first, things, <laughs> when first things are first, look at, you can also, there's quite a bit of room for sand. In fact, probably all the sand can fit in there. And now I'll pull the thing. No. What's my point? My point is not that we need to cram our lives as full as possible. My point is that when you put first things first, that's the only way the first things ever get in there. And there's also room for sand. Sand fits into our life when it's fit around the rocks. But if the sand stuff is first, there's never enough place for rocks. Rocks are those foundationally important things in our life that we have to schedule. Just like our budget, we've got to schedule time the way we schedule money. And, and, and uh, the, the, the stuff that's most important has got to come first. You've got to write that in first. Now let's go over a couple things that are rocks in our life. Number one, an intimate relationship with God. Foundational. Jesus would take time to go alone and, and, and pray, and he was the son of God. He'd go up to a mountain and pray all night long. A foundational thing in our life, at the core of our life, is our relationship with God. That's the center of everything. And that takes time. I'm talking about prayer. I'm talking about time for just worshiping God on your own. I'm talking about Bible meditation stuff. Um, uh, Just time to spend with God. It's in those moments that we learn how to see life as God sees life, learn how to feel about life the way God feels about life. Uh, Our character becomes changed. We get to know Jesus as our Lord and Savior and friend and invite him into areas of our life. We we acquire wisdom uh, in those times with God. It's a rock element of our life. And when that rock is compromised or when it disappears altogether because we put sand in first, we become carnal people. We, 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 We become foolish people. We don't have God's wisdom in our life. We don't develop God's character. Uh, We still believe perhaps the same things we've always believed, but they don't really impact our life. The sense of reality is diminished. We become uh, hyper-living water bugs skimming along on the surface of life. One foundational rock has got to be quality time spent with God. You got to write that in. However much uh, uh, God leads you to do it, that's got to come first. Another rock in our life is just having a healthy relationship with uh, with ourselves. Every, we are finite beings and we need time to ourselves, time to recharge the battery on our own. The Sabbath was built into the creational project, a time to rest, a time to relax, a time for leisure, a time to maybe just stimulate your mind with reading or, or exercise your body, time to take care of yourself, time, and here's a big one, time to sleep. Three-fourths of Americans don't get the, the amount of sleep their body actually requires. We wake, up, we wake up to alarm clocks, like we did this morning because of daylight saving time. Um, we wake up to alarm clocks rather than waking up naturally. So there needs to be time for you. And that's not a selfish thing. That, that's a, a God thing. Take care of yourself. You are your own responsibility. God puts you in charge of taking care of yourself. A third rock in our life is intimate relationships with others. And this also takes time, and it's got got to be scheduled in at the start. If you're married, you need time with your spouse. Quality time with your spouse. If If you're parents, you need quality time with your children. If you're children, you need time with your parents. And as they're getting old, and as you're able to have quality time with them. And we all need time with, with others in our life who are not acquaintances, but actually friends. People who are getting to know us. 
intimate relationships where people are getting to know us and we're getting to know them. That's how God designed life to operate. Now, you got to know that this, this, is, this time has got to be, to some degree, hang time. Time where you're just hanging out. Relationships aren't the kind of thing that you can just do uh, through concentrating hard. Now, they always involve some concentration, but relationships are built by hanging around together. You can't just sit down and, and say, okay, you know, honey, I got 15 minutes. Let's be intimate. Mm, you know, let, let's, let's relate close together. You know, and tell me your darkest, deepest secret. It doesn't work like that. Relationships kind of bubble into existence as you're spending time together. And so we need to strategize, put into our schedule first and foremost, time that we're going to have where we just are with people that are meaningful to us, uh, with our family, with our spouse, with our children, with uh, our small group or, or, or whatever. Several years ago, my daughter, as she was uh, approaching 18 or 19, uh, she, her life was becoming so busy. Just, she was always running, just constantly busy. And, and I, I, was, I felt like I, I didn't know her very well. I felt like I used to know her, and now it's like, who is this person? And so I, I uh, had to find a way to spend some time with her, but you can't ever get her to sit still long enough to spend time with her. Now, she liked to run, and I used to run, and uh, I was a good 30 pounds overweight, so I thought, okay, tell you what, I can t- kill two birds with one stone, I'll lose weight and spend time with my daughter. And so I challenged her to a marathon, and uh, we spent eight, nine months just training together. And it's amazing the stuff that kind of comes out as you're running together for two hours or three hours. And, and you want to talk to just get your mind off the pain. So, you know, you, you find stuff to talk about. And stuff bubbles forth. Stuff bubbles forth, you see. Relationships, it, it takes what we in Western culture would, would tag as wasting time. Hanging out together. But that wasting time is not wasting time at all. It's very, very important time. Time just to hang out. Let me say this. One of the most destructive things to the family, and I think just to friendship relationships in Western culture, has been the introduction of the television. And I'm not an anti-TV, you know, Bible pounder kind of guy. But on the other hand, we've got to be aware of Satan's designs. Um, The television has eroded so much quality relationship because it introduced into our household every night professional entertainment. And professional entertainment is always more entertaining than real life. And as they vie for market, uh, you know, uh, audiences, they, 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 they just, they up the ante on drama, they up the ante on, on humor and whatnot. And that's always more interesting uh, than, than, than ordinary lives. Most of our lives are pretty mundane, aren't they? You know, rather boring, pretty much day to day. But you can turn on Friends, or you can turn on ER, and there's drama, or you can turn on... My favorite is Joan of Arcadia. Oh, that's just such a touching show. You got to watch it sometime Friday night, 7 o'clock, CBS. Okay. Uh, or, or a reality television survivor and whatnot. So you can either spend time with your spouse who you already you know, feel like you know and is pretty predictable, or ER, or spend time with your children, or, or, or The Bachelor, or whatever. And see, too often the television wins. In traditional family, we were each other's entertainment. You sit around and you talk and you, you have humor and you tell stories and you share lives. And that was how people entertain themselves. But now we've got this boob tube in there that's the professional who's funnier than any of us and more dramatic than any of us and it always pulls at us. Shut the thing off. Uh, and, and, and amen. And, and find time to play games together, to, to just hang out together, to tell stories, to, to read a book together and then share what you're reading. However it looks, 
There's got to be hang time in relationships. Fourth, we all need a means of support. Unless someone's supporting you or you have a nice inheritance, you got to work. And um, we're, we're to trust God for our sustenance. And the way he answers those prayers is by giving us a job. So you got to schedule it in. 30, 40 hours a week for most of us. It doesn't mean that you need a job that will get you a Mercedes Benz. Uh, but it does mean that you need to have a job to support, to put a roof over your head and clothes on your back and, and, and food in your stomach. And the fifth rock is, is having time to uh, build the kingdom of God with the body of Christ. Rock number five, building uh, uh, the uh, kingdom of God. To do a family is to do ministry. To spend time alone with God is to be building the kingdom of God. But over and beyond that, the scripture makes it very clear that we're all part of an army and there needs to be time where we work together to advance the kingdom of God. We, we, we each have a ministry that we're to play in church life. Those are the fundamental foundational rocks in our life and they've got to be scheduled first. Just like with our finances, we've got to you know, put God first. So also with our time, we've got to put God first and the foundational building blocks of our life first. Now what is the sand? The sand is really everything else. Everything else. Some of it's important but not foundational and some of it's not even important. It's just nice. But all that is sand. Let me go over a couple of the grains of sand that are present in our culture. First one is more, better, faster. And that's the thing that's driving this whole thing. Wake up to the reality that the more, better, faster is not necessarily better. We got to realize that we are living in a culture that systematically, continually, pervasively indoctrinates us to believe that more, better, faster is a necessity of our life. One of the sick things about the matrix of our culture is that we genuinely, sincerely feel desires as though they're needs. We gotta have it. We gotta have it. And, and, and uh, we feel like there's something missing in our life if we don't have it. And what I'm here to tell you is this. That's not a rock, that's sand. You don't necessarily need more. You don't necessarily need it better. You don't necessarily need it faster. You don't have to get that new house. You don't have to get that new car. You don't have to get the latest clothes. You don't have to wear the, 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 the latest, the newest, most you know, best-smelling cologne and, and, and whatnot. Maybe your stereo system is just fine. You don't have to upgrade it with the newest uh, uh, trinkets that are there. Now, if you are able to do it, fine. I'm not, I'm not saying that's wrong, but realize that that's sand. And see, it's chasing the more, better, faster. That's the cheese that, that, that keeps the rats running on the treadmill. Don't be a herd consumer. Don't be a robot of the culture. Don't be reciting the, the mantra of our culture that I got to get this and I got to get that. And I, I need to buy this and I need this and I need this. See, I, I fight that. That's largely what fragmentizes our life, which leads to the second piece of sand, and that is, that is uh, more money. Because the only way to get more, better, faster is to get more money. So most people feel like they need more money. Got to get more money. That's a, a, that's a rock. How can I get more money? So we, 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 uh, the average uh, full-time worker now works 47 hours a week rather than 40. It's gone up seven hours in the last 15 years. Because we feel like we got to get more money. The average American household is $14,000 in debt, not including mortgage. Somebody say amen. Yeah, it, it's true. You know I'm talking truth to you. Uh, and see, that just shows you how indoctrinated we are to the more, better, faster. We don't even wait till we save up money to get stuff. We just buy it on plastic. And then, then, then we've got to pay off the interest, and we work to pay that off. But by the time we pay it off, we've already opened two new credit cards because there's still more stuff, better stuff, faster stuff, and we want that too. We're, we're, we're living beyond our means. You don't... What you need is, is, a, is a roof over your head, and what you need is, is some clothes in your back, and what you need is food... 
And everything else is sand. If you have it, wonderful. No guilt here. That's wonderful. But tag that as sand. And, and the thing about sand is that no matter how much sand you get, there's always more you can get. And we got a culture that says, oh, you got to get the better sand, the faster sand, the upgraded sand. You don't need to spend $5,000 on that new stereo system. Maybe the one you have is just fine. Uh, live with it. And, and, and the car, yeah, there's a better model out there, faster model, got more trinkets, it's got this, that, and the other thing. But, but maybe you've got another 20000 left on, on your car. Just learn how to tag the sand as sand and fight the indoctrination of our culture. A third piece of sand that we wrestle with is opportunities. Opportunities. In this more, better, faster culture in which we live, there's a proliferation of opportunities. Things you can do that are good things, nice things, wonderful things, fun things, but should you do them? Because every one of them adds to uh, the demands of your life, the stress of your life. Uh, Classes you can take, uh, seminars you can attend. We especially get this, those of us who have children, uh, uh, there's been an explosion of opportunities for children. And no longer are there three sports to choose from, there's 30 sports to choose from. And now there's this kind of idea out there that they say that if you're really going to be a star in any one thing, you've really got to start it by the age of six. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be behind the curveball. And so since we don't know what, what our six-year-old will star in, we, have to, we, we feel like we have to give them everything, take them to every possible thing. They might just be the best singer in the world, best trumpet player in the world, maybe best gymnast, maybe best ballet dancer, maybe best football player, who knows what. And so we, 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 we you know, submerge them into all these opportunities. But see, that's not a rock. That's sand. What's a rock is that they need time with you. (laughs) And you need some nights where you're not running around, some nights where you're just hanging out, some nights where you you work on homework together, some nights where you just play together, some nights where you're, you're just having fun together. That's a rock kind of thing. And you're not cheating your kids just because you you don't avail of them every possible opportunity that's out there. In fact, in fact, telling Johnny no, you can't both do basketball and wrestling because that would take up two nights a week and one of those nights of the week have got to be a family time. You're teaching Johnny about the value of family and you're also teaching Johnny that he's finite. And sometimes in life you've got to make tough decisions. You can't do everything. If we had an unlimited number of lives to go through, fine, do everything. But we don't. We're finite. And so life's about shutting doors. You know what? You're just going to have to uh, you know, choose between the two. Choose. Edit your life. You're teaching little Johnny how to edit life. Don't feel guilty because you say no to some opportunities for your children. If it means that by saying no to those sand opportunities, you're creating a rock opportunity to spend time with them. Time with them, hanging out with them, getting to know them, playing with them. Amen. Here's a fourth piece of sand, and this is a tough one. And I think it's more pervasive than, than we realize. And that has to do with acquaintances. It's sand. Now, what's a rock is intimate relationships, but acquaintances, casual relationships, are sand. Don't rob from quality relationships to invest in a larger quantity of relationships. One of the uh, symptoms of fragmentation in our world is that most people know a lot of people but are intimate with maybe none of them. We, we, we have a lot of casual relationships, but no real intimate relationships. And what can happen is that uh, these, these casual relationships, we, 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 we keep them going because it's too awkward to end them or, or you know, what, 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 what not. And we invest in a lot of time and sometimes emotional energy in relationships that really aren't intimate, that they're not rock relationships. Sometimes in life, we've got to edit out those relationships or minimize them. Add to that this fact, that there's a lot of needy people in the world. 
Uh, there, are, there are some people who will take as much as you will, can, will possibly give them. They don't have good boundaries. Uh, and, and they will want more and more and more of your time. And whenever you say, that's all I can do, they'll be offended by that. So, which is why we don't say, I'm sorry, I can't meet with you every week. I'll meet with you once a year maybe or, or, or once a month. Uh, but, but, but I can't do more than that. They're still going to be offended. Sometimes in life, because we're finite and we've got to handle our time like we do our money and the rocks have got to come first, we've got to say, I'm sorry, I just can't do more for you. Maybe you need to see a counselor or maybe you, you need to start a small group or, or, or you know, get a life, but, but I, can't, I, can't, I can't be your life. I can't be your best friend. I can't spend more time with you. And that's hard stuff. That's hard stuff. But don't feel guilty for doing that You'll never have time for the relationships that are, are rock, have rock importance if all your time is being spent on sand relationships. Now, we, we should have sand relationships, and, and we, we love all people and all of that, but you can't be intimate with everybody. In fact, you can only be intimate usually with a handful of people. And one of them should be your spouse, and others should be to whatever degree is appropriate, your children, and then your small group, and that basically handles it. Never sacrifice quality for quantity. That's about prioritization. The rocks have got to come first. Everything else has got to fit around the rocks. Prioritize. And do it with a vengeance. And what has to be edited out, just simply edit out. And I think you'll be amazed at how, 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 how much more sane your life becomes when you tag sand as being sand and rock as being rock and you choose the rocks first. The sermon's about prioritization and simplification. So let's now talk about simplifying. Simplification. The fragmentation of our life, which is a fallout of progress and the diversification and specialization that goes on to, to, to further progress. Fragmentation is the result of having a large number of unrelated command, demands on our life, obligations on our life, people, groups in our life, tasks we've got to fulfill. We're pulled in a lot of different directions, and those directions don't have anything to do with one another. If that's true, then simplification is doing the opposite where we consolidate tasks and consolidate people groups to bring them to, to start bringing in continuity and community into our life. One of the reasons I believe that we run helter-skelter in life is because the average Western person does life with an individualistic mindset. The principle of, uh, of, of simplification is this, and just lock this in as a principle. Don't do alone what can be done with others. Think team, not solo. We don't usually make, draw the, connect the dots between relationships and simplification. In fact, relationships are part of our fragmentation. But I, I'm going to show us here that really the key to simplification is building relationships. Building relationships into your life. God never intended us to do life alone. Think of it this way. Life is a formidable foe. It takes a team to tackle it. You wouldn't play the Vikings or the, the Green Bay Packers with just a quarterback. I don't care how good the quarterback is. The quarterback's going to get killed. Well, we're up against the Packers in life, and we need a team on our side. So begin to think team. Now, this swims, swims totally upstream in our culture, but, but it, it's absolutely essential. Think team. Think consolidation. I, I want to illustrate that by going back to the juggling guy and illustrate how we can begin to consolidate things in our life. And this isn't a magical formula. The way you do it in your life is going to look different than the way that I would do it in my life. But it's the principle that I want us to get. 
Okay, so here's the juggling man. And there's still a lot of different obligations, but look at there's only five distinct bubbles instead of you know, 50. So you need, some time, you need intimacy with God. Uh, th- that you have to do alone. You also need some alone time for yourself to just journal and, and get to know yourself and take care of yourself. That, that, that you do alone. Your job, most of us do our job alone. Uh, but even there, you can begin to think, how can I build relationships into my job? Um, maybe my, my, the ministry, the kingdom building ministry that I'm supposed to have, is that my job? So even there, some of us can begin to think consolidation. But beyond job and our time alone with God and our time alone with ourselves, most other things can be consolidated. Here's what I mean. In your family time, Wrap, your leisure, wrap some of your leisure time in with your family time. We all need breaks. Well, take breaks together. Take breaks with your family. Shopping time can be a family time. Uh, when you go out shopping, bring Johnny and Susie along with you. And, and, and bring your husband along with you. Husbands, bring your wife along with you next time you go out shopping for clothes. You know, we, we always tend to shop alone, don't we? I, I, and and this, is, this is discipleship because it takes, when I go, I went out shopping with my wife yesterday and I instantaneously get tired. I don't know what it is with shopping. It's a testosterone thing. I, I, I immediately, I'm like, I got to stay awake, you know, but, and she's getting more and more excited. So, you know, it, 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 but see, here's the thing. Rather than shopping, competing with family time, make shopping, compliment family time, make that part of family time. You bring the kids with you, you go out you know, to the supermarket or whatever, and now you're teaching them uh, you know, principles about financial stewardship, how to shop, you know, how to relate to people. They're seeing you in action. Um, uh, you, you just consolidate this thing. Fixing stuff. If there's something to be fixed, think. What, do I have to do this alone or can I do this with other people? Uh, can I invite Johnny to help me try to fix this pole in the backyard? Now, chances are it would actually go faster if Johnny wasn't there. But is speed the highest priority? Think about this. See, the problem is we're, we're too utilitarian and not uh, relational enough. Bring Johnny along and, and, and let him help fix this. And now, you see, he's learning how to fix the pole. He's learning about responsibility. Uh, but most, most importantly, he's spending time with you. You see, so build family time into all that you do. Uh, don't think solo, think team. On your neighborhood, think about what you can consolidate there. We all should be reaching out to some degree in our neighborhood. Um, shopping, here's what I mean by this. Does everybody on the block need a snowblower? Why not uh, re- go to your neighbors and say, you know what, how about if we all go in on a snowblower? Now that creates interesting issues like who's going to use it first or whatever, but you can work those out and working them out helps begin to build relationships and it saves you money, which in the long haul means you don't have to be working so many hours. It's part of what will cut down on, 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 on your obligations. Don't double shovel. If you're going to go out and get something, talk to your neighbors. Do you already have this? I wonder if we could, or, or, or you can barter with stuff. I'll let you use my this if you'll let me use your that. And now you're building relationships. Why, why double shovel? Our neighbors uh, we moved in the city last year, and one of the weird things about the city is that you have sidewalks, and grass grows up in the cracks in the sidewalks, and there's a city ordinance that you have to trim that, and you need a special trimmer to do it. It's about $120. So we went to our neighbor and just said, you know, do you have one of those kind of trimmer things? And he says, well, I used to, but it broke. So we said, well, I'll tell you what, let's just go in together and, and buy it, and then we'll just kind of share it. He goes, oh, that's a good idea. And we'll let, I said, we'll let you keep it, and we'll just ask you when we need it. So we went together, and we bought this clipper thing. And, uh, and the wonderful thing is that he, he keeps it at his house. And not only that, but he, he does our, our sidewalks for us. Uh, and so, <laughs> which was my plan all along. <laughs> I don't really care about relationships. I'm just getting out of work. <laughs> 
Think team. Think team. Don't think solo. We, we, we default to the individual. Think team. Now, there's other area here. This is just an, an example of the kind of things you can do. Uh, in terms of building the kingdom, some of us have individual ministries, but some of us, uh, in fact, all of us could have some of our ministry in terms of building the kingdom of God with our small group. In fact, one of the things that we're, we're being very intentional on as a church, what Kevin's doing is he's uh, uh, building ministry opportunities in with his small groups so that small groups adopt a ministry. So you're doing relationships while you're doing ministry instead of having the, the, the two compete with one another. In our small group, when one person took on a ministry to Haiti, we all took on the ministry to Haiti. Uh, last year, I felt led to, to uh, take on a responsibility for a, for a homeless family. So we all took on responsibility for this homeless family. Uh, when we, someone's going to go and, and uh, serve at the, uh, uh, the, the, home, the homeless shelter over here, we all go as a group. And see, you're hanging together while you're doing ministry. You're building relationships and doing ministry uh, and, instead of having them compete with one another. Some of your family time can be in small group. Once in a while, bring the families together. You get to know, you get to know each other's family and the dynamics. What you might find is that sometimes uh, your kids relate in some ways better to someone else in your small group, and they can take on a mentoring role. You know, sometimes parents isn't the case that you just don't really have a, the right chemistry with your kid, but someone else in your small group might have that kind of chemistry, and there's a relationship that can be built there that can really help them. Make some of your leisure time uh, uh, part of your small group uh, activity. Where you, you, you don't just do Bible studies together and worship together, but sometimes you go out to a movie together, you go out dancing together, you go out to eat together, or you just have a barbecue together. We all need leisure time. Let's, let's do some of that together. Financial support can be looped into, to some degree, and sometimes looped into small group activity. In our small group, there was a time when one of, one of our, our, our people, uh, the family, his business went on strike, and he had to go four months without a paycheck. Boom, uh, let's all kick in and let's uh, help support him. And, and it's not very difficult. It builds relationship. He doesn't have to go out and get another, you know, different job to add to the stress of his life. We just took care of it. We just took care of him. In fact, he told me later on that he actually made money during that four-month period of time. <laughs> Fixing stuff. You know, again, think team. When something's broken, invite someone else over or to, to, to help out with it. Or when there's something to be improved in your house, think, think, think uh, who else can you include in this? Now, remember that when you do that, you're also giving them permission to ask you to come over when, when they have something that, that needs to be fixed or improved. But that's what life's about. I don't fix anything. So whenever there's anything broken, uh, you know, uh, someone in my small group comes over. I, I went six months with broken windshield wipers uh, where, you know, the, the, the metal parts still work, but the, 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 the rubber kind of just flapped, you know, where, like that. And the trouble is, the only time I ever thought about it was when it was pouring rain out and I had to stick my head out the window to see where I was going. But as soon as I pull in the driveway, it's out of my head again. I'm just, I'm like that. I'm an airhead on that stuff. But thankfully, I've got Greta Erickson in my small group who cares about me and saw those windshield wipers. He went out and bought some windshield wipers and put them on. I didn't even ask him to. He just, he just did that. Now, when he wants something broken, he calls me. <laughs> and I'm good at that. I, I, but he, he was renovating his, uh, his, his kitchen. So he calls me up. Hey, you know what? I need some walls torn down. It's like, I am your man. You know, so you just, wow, wow. You know, I, I, and so and, and it was a fun time. We spent days just ripping apart his house. I can do that. I can carry a shovel. 
So it's a bartering thing where it's like, here's what I can do, what can you do, and you learn how to do life together. Devotion and prayer, some of that should be in our small groups uh, combined with our family. Family obligations. You know, you, you, as you get to know someone and, and, and you're helping them out, and maybe that you need someone to drive, you know, Betty to, or Eunice to work or to, to daycare center. And so someone else can, can, can do that. You, you learn how to do life together. Weekend celebration. You don't have to do that alone. Meet your small group here and, 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 and worship together. So you're, 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 there's overlap. What we're doing is building overlap and continuity into our life. Now, this is ideal. You're not going to get there tomorrow. But this is what I believe we, we need to be striving for, and it all simplifies life. Sometimes it's more time up front because you have to build relationships. But in the long haul, it saves time, it saves money. But most importantly, it's how God intended us to do life. We are each other's most precious commodity. And that is the thing that progress, quote-unquote, has lost. In the name of progress, we become isolated individuals. Uh, we think individually. We do life alone. And that's the social God made us, made creation such that things always work together better when they're done socially, out of relationship, than they do when they're done individually. Think team, not solo. I leave you with these two questions. And then we're going to pray. What, what, what sand do you need to get out of the jar to get your rocks in place? This is the priority question. What sand do I need to get out of uh, my jar to get the rocks in place? Once in a while, we need to just do, do an inventory where we empty the jar and put the rocks back in first because those rocks have a way of getting displaced by the sand. Be honest, prayerfully and honestly ask yourself, what are some sand things that need to get out so I can get more of those rocks in. Secondly, the simplification principle. How can I simplify, which is to say de-diversify, consolidate my life through relationships? What am I doing now alone that I could do with others? For some people, it will just be um, the, the first step to take is to say, okay, I got to start a small group. I, I got to get some people in my life and I got to get in their life. And so I encourage you to take advantage of the training that we have here. Uh, it's, it's, it's not hard at all. And, and uh, you have instantaneous people in your life, you start building relationships. That's how life was meant to be lived. We can't get back to the traditional family. It's, it's just not, uh, it's, we can't get back to that, 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 those three circles of, of the traditional life. But we can, we can in, our, in, our, in our complex lives, install the same principles about prioritization, simplification, building relationships, and consolidating things. Let's stand. I want to close in prayer. If you're here this morning and you're not a kingdom person, you've never entered into a, a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to come up here to my right, your left. There'll be a, a person at a table who would love to explain to you what's involved in surrendering your life to Jesus Christ and starting that, that relationship. Uh, after I'm done praying, the prayer team will be up here. And if you have any need whatsoever that you would like to have prayed for, I encourage you to come up here and have that uh, thing prayed for. Let's, uh, let's just close in prayer here together. Father, I pray that you, Lord God, would give us the fortitude and the insight to swim upstream in our culture on this issue. So many of us live life in solitude, in solo, and our relationships are just sort of incidental to who we are. I pray, God, that Woodland Hills Church would be a community, not as a gathering of individuals, but a community, a community of communities where our lives are, are woven together, and, and we're learning how to do life out of relationships, Lord God. 
And Father, that we wake up to the insight that that is the central thing that can fight the fragmentation in our life. Holy Spirit, would you just be a nag in our life to keep the right priorities and be, be a constant source of conviction about doing life solo and lead us and guide us each to build kingdom relationships and to do life kingdom style. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you.